Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan, as usual, joined by... I'm Lawrence, welcome to the podcast. And today you are joining us from a very, very prestigious special location, aren't you? Yes, what we've learnt today is that the, the, the special thing about podcasts is that you can do them anywhere... And as an example of uh, said discovery, I am recording from my car uh, on the service station of, uh, where am I? I'm at Trowel Services, southbound on the M1, uh, in in the car park. So uh, this is a first, and I feel that we really are pioneers of podcasting at this point. Perhaps we should make that a gimmick of the podcast that we... um vary our locations of recording maybe on a mountain or on a boat underwater um, yes that would be that would be impressive that would be good audio quality i think yeah yeah definitely but uh for, <laughs> you, you know sometimes when i watch youtube videos and um like the person recording the video is like oh hi guys uh, j- just in case you notice anything different with my voice today, i'm a little bit sick so if you notice it that that's why and i was like shut up no one can notice anything but genuinely if you can hear stuff in the in the background of uh of my, my audio in this episode it is because i am literally about 40 feet away from rush hour traffic on the m1 motorway <laughs> nice so there could be a nice background soundtrack of cars speeding past on a motorway what a treat asmr i know yeah that's unique that's, that's all right. i can say unique okay so today we are looking at number 32 on the metacritic list number 32 is borders gate 2 shadows of um i think that's how it's pronounced but i could be wrong um, um so this game has a meta score of 95 it was released on the PC in the year 2000. As usual, we are going to start with our history with the game and the version played. So, what is your history with this game, if at any at all? Zero. And usually I'd say, yeah, I was kind of aware of it, or yeah, I knew this or that about it. Literally zero uh, with this game. I'd heard the name Baldur's Gate before, but to be honest with you, I thought before playing it that it was a bit of a... Um, bit of a like Diablo slash um, Dungeon Keeper kind of game. I knew it was isometric. I just assumed that it was one of those kind of games, but obviously it isn't. But yeah, literally nothing uh, prior to recording. Well, before, you know, playing it for the podcast. So yeah, zero, which I don't think is often the case with me. I've usually got like a bit of a background, even if it's just a bit of background knowledge. But yes, what about you? Um... So it's an easy mistake to make, I think, the Diablo comparison because there were a a duo of games um, released on consoles in the early 2000s called Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2. And Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2 were hack and, hack and slash games. Um, now obviously this was before those and Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, not Dark Alliance, that's going to get confusing. Um, they came before and they weren't hack and slash games um so actually i i um i played the 
the Dark Alliance games back in the early 2000s. Completed um, Dark Alliance 1 with my brother and I completed um, Dark Alliance 2 with a friend and I really like those games. They, they're simplified, they're obvi obviously set in the same world, they do carry across some features but they are hack and slash games and, and funnily enough I am currently replaying Dark Alliance 1 with my girlfriend um, because those games have co-op so um, they're actually a lot of fun. Um, a bit archaic in their kind of um, gameplay um, and some of the stuff around it but yeah, yeah it's still a lot of fun. So yeah I, I had familiarity with the series from that point but I had no familiarity with Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 which were the original games. Now these are it gets a bit confusing due to the developers but I believe these are Bioware games as well so um, these are the precursors to uh, another game or another bunch of games that we played on this list KOTOR um, precursor to that and also Mass Effect so you can kind of see um, from KOTOR's combat system which is a roll of the dice system um, that it really was picked up from here and smoothed over a lot bit more automated than this one is um, but yeah probably better suited to consoles KOTOR's uh, combat system was um, so that's, that's that's really a rundown of my sort of history with the game um, where did you play this game today not today but you know what I mean the other day um, I, I played this game on Switch I think it was maybe a year or so ago that they, they brought out a remaster didn't they um, and they, I think they, they ported it to Switch, Xbox, and, and, and PS5, PS4, um, which was a bit of a weird experience, to be honest, which you and me touched on a few days ago when we were discussing the game, um, as this is a very, very typical PC-feeling game, and to play a game like that on the Switch was a little bit bizarre. But, uh, yeah, where did you play it? Yeah, I think it was released a couple of years ago, because I got it for Christmas a couple of years ago, um, because... Although we may not have vast amounts of history with the series, we do have history with the game in a, in a funny way because we attempted to record this game probably about a year ago. Yeah, about a year. <laughs> and well, we didn't get very far. Um, so I was still in the starting dungeon and I think we just decided at the time it was too big of a game to tackle and we put it on the back burner. And a year later, here we are, and we, we've done it, we've done it. Um, I know that you've made uh, a lot of progress in the game, and I completed the game, so yeah, we're, we're here and we're recording, so that's that one solved. Um, okay, are you able to give us a rundown of the plot of this game, what you know of the plot at least? Uh, kind of. So, uh, b b being up front like from, from this point, I really struggled with this game. I really struggled to engage with it and I found it very boring. Um, I'd say that I think the way that it tells its story, it's, a lot of it's in text boxes, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of my favourite games tell their story through through that aspect. Um, but with this one, I think because it felt so old, I, I really struggled to engage. But effectively, you, I, I think this picks up straight after the end of Baldur's Gate 1, doesn't it? Uh, not straight after. There's actually um, a bit of DLC that was released 
um, fairly recently that by a different developer that ties together Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and kind of fills the gaps there so not 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 directly afterwards but uh, it does follow the story of Baldur's Gate 1 and actually there are a lot of elements that that tie into Baldur's Gate 1 so you'll meet characters that are in Baldur's Gate 1 so if you've never played Baldur's Gate 1 um, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of context and, and I'd say that I was left confused by some elements of the plot yeah and, and and that's what I found as well I mean the start of this game like you said earlier you you, you wake up in um, like a dungeon and you're being experimented on by um, like a, he's a wizard isn't he a mage um, John Irenicus Irenicus yeah who has I'm pretty sure taken custody of you following something that happened in the, the first game or one of the the uh the DLCs or whatever. I think it was, yeah, it was the DLC because I think Irenicus first appeared in that DLC um, and something happened there that kind of links the first game to the second game. But I have not played that uh, DLC so I can't confirm. 100%. Yeah. Um, but basically you, you, you escape you escape the dungeon, you make your way to a city where you, you fa- face Irenicus um, he escapes, and at which point, to, to gain passage to where he's gone to, you need to raise quite a lot of money. I think, was it about 20,000 gold? 20,000. Tw- yeah. Which which that is dropped to 15,000, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, that, that was one of my big points in this game, because I just wanted to kind of get on with the story. But at that point, that is... A blocker because if you don't get that money you can't continue so you've got to go around doing side quests um doing other bits and bobs but as, as soon as you get that you you proceed further and the game is effectively about chasing down Arenicus and also coming to terms with your own heritage with your party around you um that's a really really basic rundown of the plot like i said i struggled to engage with this game so I feel that you can probably fill in the blanks a bit better than I can because I know you completed it. So you start off um, the game and you create your character. Your character is, whoever you create, is a child of Baal, who is a god, um, and you're one of many ch- children of Baal. And, um, yeah, you are, you're in this prison and you, you are with your sister of sorts. I don't know if she's truly your sister, but... That's how the character is described, yeah. and her name is Imowen. And basically, you make your way through this dungeon, and Imowen and Irenicus are locked up by um, the cowed wizards, I think they're called. Yes, um, that's correct. Because they've used magic uh, within the city, the main city. And they're locked away, so your, your task is to free your sister, Imowen, and um, obviously take your revenge on Irenicus so that's kind of what you do and yeah they do they, they play around a lot with the structure so you start off obviously obviously it's quite you're thrown headlong into it and then you've got this kind of open area where you're encouraged to do side quests and yeah. you want to raise some money and then, you, then you're back into the linearity but really quite extreme linearity where you're stuck, you're tied to the storyline and to the locations until fairly late on in the game where things do open up again but actually um, you're 
almost at the climax and every kind of inclination that you have will want to be to, to, to race towards the climax because the game is peaking at that point. So it's a bit of a... I, I would agree that the pacing is strange. I'm not against the um, the open um, Act 3. I think it's Act 3, Act 2, 3. I think it's both of them, actually. Um, where you are gathering money. Um, I'm not against that. But it, it's strange that it goes from being incredibly open to incredibly yeah. linear. Um, and then eventually you, you, you kind of realise that you go to an elf city... And you realise that um, Irenicus and his sister, someone has decided to drill in the background, which is great. Um, so we're going to have cars and drilling. Brilliant. Um, but we'll try and obviously sort the sound as best we can. Um, so, yeah, so Irenicus and his, sis his sister, Bodhi, who is now a vampire, were cast out of this city by the elves for trying to basically... Um, I think they were attacking the tree of life and they were trying to get everlasting life um, but obviously they didn't succeed and they were cast out and their souls were taken from them so over the course of the game yours and Imowen's souls are taken from you and that's why you're chasing Irenicus and trying to get your soul back and also get revenge and ultimately you do do that and then there are a, a bunch of add-ons for this game well, two major add-ons -on, add for this game I think and um, the story does continue in that in those, but they are not the mainline story. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's really a very. It's exhausting, like because you, you you completed this, and like we said, I I didn't, um, and I I really struggled with that story. But hearing you talk about all of the stuff that I didn't get to is quite exhausting. There's so much there, um, and I mean, I. I enjoy fantasy to some extent. Like, I look at things like Lord of the Rings. Like, that's that's fantasy, and there's a lot of lore there. But this is one of those games where I think you really have to not research, but you really have to follow the lore closely and follow the particulars of it to get the most out of it. Which I think is where I stumbled. I want to talk about uh, what you actually do in it because. We've talked a lot about, I suppose, some of the stumbling blocks in this game, and we talked about the plot now to a degree. Um, so, what do you actually do in it? What's the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay? What's the gameplay loop? It's it's an isometric, um, it's an isometric game, isn't it? And it's effectively making progress, whether that's in the the linear sections or the more open sections, um, and going into combat with enemies, um, as well as that looting, upgrading your uh, your, your party. And there's a very vast character creation section at the start of the game, which you can go into quite a lot of detail on. Uh, and you can, you know, outfit your characters, make sure that they're equipped as and how you want them to be. Um, but the the minute-to-minute -minute gameplay is obviously progressing the story, but in doing so, taking on side quests, doing missions, earning money, picking up loot and and combat, whether that's with like low-level enemies or you, you get the higher level ones um, as, as you progress um, and there is a difficulty section on this where you can just focus on the story which is which is what I did um, but yeah it, it's an RPG so a lot of it is, is combat based and um, you mentioned a moment ago that it's very much a dice rolly kind of thing isn't it yeah so this is um, I, I found something out there's, there's, a, there's a genre of RPG called CRPG which I've never really heard of before and CRPG what that stands for is computer 
role-playing game. Right. And it's all those games from the 90s or 2000s that were really heavily based on computer and PC players would have played them. Um, this game was definitely built for PC. The interface says it all. And um, it's very, very stat-based. So the character creation, although it, it's not it's not like what you may be used to nowadays with character creation, which is to um, spend a lot of time um, refining your appearance. It's more to do with refining your stats. Yes. Choosing how your character wants to play. And it is very varied, very, very what, detailed. What, what, uh, what were you out of interest? I was a half-elf. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you why I went for that, because I started that uh, character a year ago, over a year ago. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a surprise going back to it and thinking, oh, okay, this is why I picked them. Like a kinder egg. That, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a... It was a real... Yeah. I, I was uh, I was continuing my story based on decisions I'd made a long time ago. Nice. So that was an interesting one. Um, how about you? Um, so I set up... I, I didn't really pay attention to the the race and stuff I think I was just like a, a human but I I, fo- I did think about becoming like a like a normal warrior like a, a fighter uh, and I, I thought about mage but I, I went with being an archer um, okay. so a lot of the combat that I did was from from afar and I set up most of my party with ranged weapons as well um, is that, that tends to be what I do when I play RPGs anyway if I have the option I do it in, I did it in Skyrim I did it in Oblivion uh, I, I usually go for ranged characters that have quite high speech capability. Um, so it, it was more of the same setting up the characters um, this time round. Yeah, <clears throat> I was I was a fighter. Um, I had another fighter alongside me, and I had a support cast of mages. And um, this game is surprisingly uh, a lot of what you see here would be brought forward in RPGs, probably thanks to Bioware's involvement. Um, again, I know that it wasn't necessarily developed by them. I think it was Black Isle Studios, but I think maybe some of those people went on to form Bioware or something, but it is considered a Bioware RPG. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those things, like um, you are able at times to um, bypass combat by using speech. Yeah. Or... At other times, you are able to bypass combat by um, paying not to fight. Um, there's a there's a late battle with um, it's a black dragon, and it's in the forest later on. And I was I was not having any luck with it, and I was um, I wasn't playing on um, the story mode, um, but I did uh, I I admittedly did drop the difficulty down too easy from normal. Yeah. Um, just because I was making more progress with it, whereas I was hitting a brick wall with normal. Um, because uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into as to, as to why that, why I think that was. But anyway, there was this this dragon late on, and um, uh, I chose to pay him off, and he he wanted all the money that I had on me, and uh, all of my items as well. So what I did was drop my all all my items on the floor so I could pick them up afterwards, and I also. Um, I, I gave him, I think it was thirty thousand, um, to not fight him, and he just gave me the item that he was guarding. So yeah, it, it, negotiation some of those do feel 
Yeah, and they do feel ahead of their time, and they're things that we see nowadays in RPGs. So in terms of that stuff, I think it is quite contemporary. Um, it's just a lot of the other stuff that isn't necessarily, and that's what I want to talk about now. So let's talk about gameplay is key. Is this game fun to play? No. <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't find it very fun, but I mean, we, we've made a comparison already. I'm, cur I'm currently melting, by the way. I think it's about 27 degrees in my car, and I've got You're no melting windows open. Cars driving past. I've got someone. That sounds like drilling into my walls, so I don't know what's going on. It's all going. I wish you could see video on this podcast because right now I'm sat in my car, a sweaty mess. You know, dogs die in hot cars. I think that it's goes for a me as well. Episode. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it makes for great entertainment. Um, what was the question? Is gameplay king? Yeah. So, is this game fun? So I I enjoyed the gameplay of Kotor, but the thing that I didn't really like was the the chance aspect of the of the combat. And personally, I don't think this game has aged particularly well. Meaning that because I wasn't that engaged with the story and because I didn't think the gameplay was, you know, that exciting is why I struggled with it. Well, one of the elements of why I struggled with it. So as a as a base question, is the game fun? No. Like I wouldn't recommend this game to, to someone to play. Maybe, you know, twenty years ago. But again, I'm not into isometric games as well, so that might have something to do with it, you know? Um, what what about you? I did enjoy this game. I, I said to you because I I said while we were while we were sending voice notes backwards and forwards talking about the game, I said of all the games on the list, this was the hardest for me to get into, and I think the reason for that is it just to me it feels like it dumps you straight in there. Not only have you got all the lore, which you don't necessarily know, but you've got stats that you don't understand, rules that you don't understand. There are so many rules in this game that it does not teach you. And, for example, normally in a game, you'd think the higher the number for your armour, um, the, the better your armour. But in Borders Gate 2, the lower the number for your armour, the better your armour. So... You might be looking at it thinking, oh, 20 armor, that, that's really good. Actually, that's terrible. <laughs> so you want it as low as possible. And because you don't know that rule, um, and I'm sure some of this stuff is in, in the manual, but I feel like this game expects you to have some familiarity with the Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely, set. yeah. And I, I don't have any. Um, so I was going into it, and it was all a learning curve. So um, you were using archery. The way that you use archery, you have to equip your um, ammunition to the specific slots, otherwise yes. the characters will never use it. And you have to make sure that the right spells are equipped, and then you have to make sure that your characters are using them. And you've got to memorize spells, and then there are different levels of spells. And it's it's a very hugely complicated system, and some people will love that. And some people will get along really nicely with that because they'll be able to create this unique character. And I and I've read many people that love this game, that that um, love the fact that they can build this character that becomes an absolute destroyer and can take on anything. Usually, mages. The magic system of, of this game is really praised by a lot of people. Um, 
and and I did get there maybe not to the extent of those people but I did get to a point where I was enjoying the game and I was invested and I wanted to see it through um, but it did take me a good 15 to 20 hours to get yeah to and really you, figure out things you, you you said that to me you were like yeah it took about 15 hours for me to get into it and for me that that does not a good game make because like 15 hours that's the length of some games and yeah rpgs tend to be longer but it's the same argument that i've got about um actually no it's not the same argument but it's a similar argument that i've got about the tv show breaking bad um that's a really good show but the first two seasons are very slow and it puts people off and that's my problem with this game is i never got to the point where i was like oh okay yeah i kind of see this it was always just man this is slow man like why is this game on the list i don't understand i never got to that point and some people probably won't myself uh, included even if i'd have stuck with it a lot of people wouldn't i don't know i don't know i think um i do i mean i play a lot of rpgs and i i think you've got to get on the game's wavelength and some people never will it is an older game it is based on the dungeons and dragons rule sets and games typically have moved away from that um so yeah it, it, it was a, it was a hurdle for me i did get past it i do think that a lot of new players would not get along with this game but if you're the right type of person and you really do want that deep strategic crpg with the isometric view with a lot of dialogue um and and actually really good dialogue and what i mean by that is very very well written um the writing was natural and often uh, writing in these games is clunky um doesn't quite work has mistakes in there this was all very very well written and also, um, there, there are some lines that are voice acted, and we'll get to it a bit later probably, but they were very well voice acted. Um, and if you want that sort of RPG that maybe you don't really see um, as much of anymore, that does leave a bit to the imagination as well, it doesn't present everything to you as this kind of visual um, feast, then this, this could tick some people's boxes. But I think there are caveats, barriers and hurdles before you'll get there um that's kind of where so so i think i found it fun um beyond a certain point but i could completely understand if if other people didn't but at the same on the same token i could really understand how it really clicked for some people and this is the game that this is some people's favorite game ever a game that they return to again and again and again with their build of character they return to that build and they play through once again um this is one of those games for people just not quite for me and obviously not for you either um so what's your do you have a favorite aspect of this game i'll be honest with you not really um i, I suppose I, I respect how in depth it is uh and just because i didn't like it that doesn't mean it's a bad element of it like like you said for the people that really want to get into the nitty-gritty with these kind of games it's ideal um so i'd say that is something that i like about it it's not something that i like but it's something that I like about it. You've got the option to go there, and for the people that really want to get invested, they have the option, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I think what I like most about this game 
is I alluded to it earlier, which is the fact that it does offer you true choices, and I can't think of an older game than this that offered you those kind of RPG choices. They may have been there in Baldur's Gate 1. I've not played that game, so I, I can't speak to that. Um, but it was here, it was present, it, it has carried over into every other modern RPG, even to the point where you get those choices in Assassin's Creed games now. Um, being able to fast talk your way out of a situation uh, or intimidate or pay off someone they're all options at certain points in this game and often speech is a weapon that you can use and it also features things like pickpocketing and um, unlocking doors and a lot of the staples of, of modern western RPGs are here in some form um, so I think that would be my favourite aspect just just those things that do feel contemporary and obviously have laid the groundwork for newer games um, I find it quite impressive that they were here in this game from the year 2000 um, okay so let's talk about the visuals of this game um, what, what are your feelings on the visuals we've not really touched on this yet so it could be interesting it's, it's, it's an isometric game like I said this has got a real look of um, Dungeon Keeper, Diablo, um, somewhat old Command and Conquer games. It's very much, it's got a very 90s PC look about it, and I don't think that it's aged well. Um, very browny, grey, just nothing that stands out. I, the, the word I'd use for the visuals on this, I'd say, would be drab. Um, what What do you reckon? I'd agree. Um, it looks like a '90s game. I think, I think it looks older than it is. Yes. And I was a bit surprised when I learned that it came out in 2000. I feel like there are games in 2000 that were really yes, big time, nice looking. Yeah. Um, and and this to me looked older, but it is a certain type of art style. It relies on hand painted backgrounds, um, which are nice, and, and at times they're especially nice, but. Uh, I feel like the resolution of those backgrounds really doesn't do it any favours because at times they look a bit muddy um, kind of like you're looking through a lens of um, Vaseline yeah <laughs> so so yeah I don't think that the resolution of this game does it any favours um, uh, the character models similarly um, they, they kind of have that hand painted feel to them what I like is that if you change your armour you can see it in the game yes the character model wears the armour and um, that was something that, that some games still don't do and I always miss that in games where you can't see the armour that your character's wearing so that was a nice touch um, I quite like the character portraits I think they're they're very fantasy they're very kind of um, typical fantasy but they're, they're quite nice and they do look better than a lot of the other elements in the game the, the, the effects work is quite nice um, but yeah it's one thing that you can't get away from with this game is that the interface overlays everything. So sometimes maybe if the graphics themselves were looking quite nice, you can't get away from the fact that you've got this very heavy interface at all times. Yeah, the UI um, is a constant. What do you think of the yeah, and what do you think of that? It was all right. It, it took me quite a long time to get used to it. I, I find it to be quite clunky. It's effective. Um, and once you know what you're doing with it, it works well. But... 
I feel it could have been simplified. But again, I'm talking about redesigning a game that came out 22 years ago. So, and also came out for PC. For PC, not a problem at all, I imagine. But playing this on the Switch with that UI was like painful. Um, it th this isn't a game that should have been ported to a handheld device. I just don't. I just don't get it. Well, I think console in general, in in a way, because the fact is, you just don't have enough buttons for it, do you? No. No, it's... it's a very, very detailed system, and in some ways I enjoy playing it on the Switch because I could, again, do other things and kind of play this while I was doing other things, and I think that aided me to complete it. If I had to play this maybe on um, my Xbox, my PlayStation, um, I don't know if I would have completed it. Uh, but one of the things, I, I feel like the, the pacing is constantly ground to a halt in you're always having to sort your items constantly so you'll pick things up your your items will get full but then you so you, you can pick up a gem bag or um, a magic bag or a potion bag and later on you get um you get a bag that can contain everything really um, but you constantly have to go in and out of the menus um, to put things into those bags or to shift potions between party members or you pick up an item with one character but you want it with another character or one of your characters dies and then you have to pick up all the items and then reassign them to that character I, I was getting fed up with the um, with the inventory um, that was that was one of my issues uh, with the game it was it was too cumbersome to get in and out of that inventory and things that are vastly improved with more modern games and probably would have been a lot easier on the PC to be fair um, were cumbersome and kind of killed the pace here so yeah kind of just destroyed the game <laughs> yeah and, and, and that, that's the problem like, like we said it takes a while for this game to kick off and when you are in it there are a lot of elements that are very slow um, and you know it, 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 is, it is a problem um so yeah that I, I i agree with you entirely just the the whole item allocation unit to it just wasn't wasn't great you know yeah and how about the audio of this game um i think the voice acting as you mentioned was quite good um i did get a little bit sick of um of hearing my guy every time that I tried to pick something up in his um, his inventory was well, I can't remember what he says um, but he just says it very matter of factly do you know what I'm talking about yeah <laughs> that 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 made me chuckle a little bit but yeah overall the, the voice acting is good in this game the music's okay not very memorable and particularly when you're going around a certain area for a while it uh, it does get a little bit old because it's very repetitive but the music in particular, I'd say, uh, the, sorry, the voice acting in particular, I'd say, is, is is pretty solid. Yeah, and they they also had established people or some established people doing the voice work in this game. So, uh, an actor called David Warner played John Irenicus, and he reached, recently died actually, and he was in TV and films, and his voice acting stands out. I mean, it's just very nicely delivered, I think, and uh, you, you got. A few of them that are just really nicely de delivered and not far from all the lines are voiced it's only yeah really a handful yeah 
but it is nice when you do hear it and, it, and it's kind of a shame that you don't get a bit more of it. Um, and um, the, vo- the, the music is solid. It's kind of solid fantasy RPG fare. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice enough and you get some background um, stuff as well when you're in the cities and that you can hear the humdrum of the city and uh, when you're out in the, in the, in, in the wilderness you can hear um, sounds from the wilderness. So yeah, it, it, sound is pretty decent here. There's some nice soundscapes in there as well. Okay, on to our question of the week. Now, I'm going to um, probably give this a bit of context as to what I'm asking here. So the question of the okay. week is this. What's the best way for a game to open? And the context that I'm giving you is, uh, obviously in this game, you're placed in the center of things. The game doesn't necessarily do a good job of teaching you the rules that it wants you to play by. Now, some games have followed a similar approach where they haven't told you, they've shown you. Um, I don't think this game necessarily does either, actually. I don't think it tells you or shows you that well. There, I mean, there are definitely some tutorial moments in there, so I'm not going to take that away from the game. But is it best to have a tutorial like a dedicated tutorial? Is it best to have um, a tutorial that's kind of disguised as gameplay? Is it best for the developers to kind of lead you to discover the things yourself? Or is it best to just throw you in there and leave you to it? What what are, what are What's your preferable one and what notable examples can you think of? Um, so... I I think one of the, the better openings that there's been in well not in recent years but one of my favourite openings to a game is Metal Gear Solid One, where you, you you swim up into the docks and then you've just got an area for five minutes where you get to run around and get to grips with the game's um, specific style and and how you play and. It actually brings me on to talk about a game that we're going to be discussing in a few weeks, which is MGS5. Now, it isn't something that I noticed at the time, but I, I watched a, a video by Super Bunny Hop about uh, 100% completion of MGS5 a few years ago. And he makes a point that I never noticed before. But you know um, the first level in Afghanistan where you go and go and save Miller? Yeah. Um, obviously that's that's quite fresh in your memory because we're, we're, we're playing it again at the moment for the podcast um, but if you like you, 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 Ocelot leaves you, you're on the horse and then you've got to go off but if you literally turn around and go backwards you go into this whole tutorial area which um, a lot of people don't, don't even know is there and it shows you the basics, of, the mechanics of the game and how to play and certain things and I really like that element because you know, you've got a lot of games where it will force a tutorial down your throat, which, you know, people don't always need or want to do, or they want to explore it on their own. I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Just just following that. A question if of the week. Don't know in about the question it. of the week. <laughs> if most people don't know about it, including newcomers to the game, is it useful? I think so. Well, maybe not entirely, but mostly because it is there if you want it. And you know, if people but it's are not, it's not presented to you as a, as an option, though, is it? Most people will just move forward, not knowing it's there. Maybe, I don't know. I I think it's good to have 
the option of a tutorial there and maybe the argument for MGS5 is well it isn't obvious that it's there so what's the point which is fair enough because I didn't know I didn't know it was there until you've just said it was there yeah and I, I imagine that probably 95% of players didn't know it was there yeah quite possibly I, I suppose for me then it would be what what would make a good game opening is something that allows you to explore it if you want to and something that gives you the option of a tutorial if needs be but not forcing it down your throat because not everyone wants that, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm not big on tutorials. I'll I'll, I'll do them sometimes if I need to. Um, but yeah, to to have the option there is good, and I think that's that's the case for a lot of people. A lot of people don't appreciate having a tutorial ram down their throats, you know. Yeah, I think I've gotten less patient with it as years have gone by. And nothing. Sometimes I just I'm one of those people where I'm playing something and I'm just I'm just thinking, just let me play. I've already figured out this thing that you're telling me how to do. Just let me play. Um, I want to discover for myself some things. I think the best games are the games that lead you to discover things through good design, without you knowing that they've led you to those things. Yeah. Well, and... I, 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 I recall watching the video on Twilight Princess by Matthew Matosis, and he talks quite a bit about the tutorial element of that game and how he doesn't like it because it's very rigid. Um, and he, he makes a big complaint about tutorial sections in games off the back of mentioning that, um, which might be interesting to go back and watch. I mean, I think we've got Twilight Princess at some point coming up, we haven't do. we? And I imagine we'll probably both watch that video again because we usually do with Matthew Matosis' videos. Um, but My good example, funnily enough, is yeah. Breath of the Wild, where you are let loose instantly. And the whole first area is a tutorial area, but it's not. So... You are confined, but it's still a very large area. And you are free to do what you want within that area to learn the rules of the game. And I think it's a great example of teaching you how to play without intimidating you with the whole map and um, helping you to discover things on your own. Um, obviously, we'll come back to that and we'll come back to... I also agree, Twilight Princess is heavy-handed tutorial. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and I think it could have been done better here, but I kind of appreciate what the game is going for. Because, because actually, once you get out of the dungeon, it only gets more intimidating. So there, there, is, there is an element of the game trying to ease you in, but it doesn't necessarily do enough or go far enough. That's my problem with it. Um, and funnily yeah. enough, with MGS5, I'm not talking about that tutorial area, but I think generally speaking, it does a, a decent job of letting you, if you ignore that tutorial area, just letting you discover things on your own. Sure. Um, and you, you kind of figure it out on your own. So that would be my preferable option anyway for MGS5. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to know that it's there, and I'm sure we're going to come back to MGS5. And well, we will be in a Yeah, of course. Um. Yeah, I just thought it's an interesting question and it's kind of one we've not touched on yet. Um, it's something that we have in every single game to some degree, that introduction. How do you do a game introduction? Um, 
So maybe we can elaborate elaborate on those ideas in the future episodes. Okay, yeah, definitely. On to our wrap up and uh, on to our final question, which is: Do you think at number thirty-two, Baldur's Gate Two: Shadows of Um, deserves to be on the list? Deserves its place on the list? Not necessarily the placement it has, but does it does it deserve to be there? No, I don't think so. Um, again, it's a very subjective thing, isn't it? But for me, this game was stilted. It was boring. Um, it hasn't aged well. And again, I think this is another case of something being added to the list um, for its time, being a bit of a you know a, a, a front runner to to that kind of style of game, and it's never shifted. Um, so for me, no. I didn't think it was that fun. I didn't find it enjoyable. I just felt it was very stilted, slow and drab. Um, so there is my answer. What about you? Um, I think it's... I find it a bit more difficult that... There are some Western RPGs on this list. Obviously, you've got... In fact, there are quite a lot, to be honest. You've got KOTOR, you've got um, Mass Effect, you've got... Oblivion, you've got Skyrim, you've got The Witcher. Um, so yeah, there is there is quite. A you've got Final Fantasy Nine as well. There are some Japanese RPGs as well on the list, but but I'm just thinking of Western because they tend to differ quite a lot structurally, and and it, it is a well represented genre Western RPGs on here. Um, so I don't think I could make the argument that it deserves to be here due to uniqueness. Um, I enjoyed it in the end the the road to get there was full of hurdles and issues and um, my own kind of stumbling blocks that I had I think the story is good I think the dialogue is great I think um, the voice acting is very good what's there um, I think a lot of the, the fantasy elements are a bit generic um, also, one of the videos, I watched a long, long video about the Baldur's Gate games by um, a guy called Noah Caldwell Gervais, and he's a great essayist YouTuber, and he makes the point that the one fundamental thing that Baldur's Gate misses in its translation of the Dungeons and Dragons formula, uh, the thing that to many people makes that great is the social aspect, it doesn't have that, that part is impossible to recreate in this game unless you had this co-op mode where you could play with a party of people and I don't know if that is an option but it certainly wasn't the way that I played this game and it certainly wasn't what he pointed out as being a flaw in this game um, so I think it loses that and I'm going to agree with you I'm going to say it doesn't deserve to be there not that I didn't enjoy it to some degree in the end but I, I can't this was the hardest game to get into on this list and it needs to be in a way penalised for that in 2022. And I know that to many people, this is the greatest game of all time, probably like a lot of these games, but we're coming into it from outside and got to judge it based on today's standards and obviously our own opinions. Yeah. And subjectivity will come into that as well. So yeah, I'm going to agree with you and say no. Um, I'm not sure how far it would fall out of the list, but yeah, I don't think it deserves to be in the top 100. Get out. 
Okay, so we agree on kicking out Baldur's Gate 2. Into, uh, into the sea. Cool. Okay, so what have we got coming up next week? Uh, so next week we have got a follow-up to our our game that we did in at Christmas, wasn't it? 2020. So it's been a been a yes. bit of a while. We um we did Super Mario Galaxy. So next week we're doing Super Mario Galaxy 2. Um cool. I don't I don't really remember our episode on Mario Galaxy, so I might go back and listen to it. But yes, that's to look forward to next week. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember I remember playing it. Um I remember playing it at the time because I was playing it quite a lot at one of my ex-girlfriend's flats. Um on um, on Switch, but yeah, it, it should be a good episode. And then we, we've got the two games sorted for after that as well, haven't we? We've already mentioned Phantom Pain will be coming in a good few weeks, and then uh, I think we've got a game before that, haven't we? Yes, we do. But we won't reveal that just yet. No, but you can you can wait. wait. That's right. But um, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us via social media at the Long and Short of It podcast, uh, we're on email at the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail.com. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share to a friend, rate us, follow us, whatever you wish to do. I may be a puddle of sweat by the time that you do listen to this episode, as I think I'm physically melting in this car right now. Um, honestly, it's about. What's the temperature? It's, 20, it's 24 degrees. I reckon it's about 27 degrees in this car. Every time that it's you've probably, been... Probably hotter. Yeah, possibly. Every time that you've been... on, shining on you. Yeah. Every time that you've been talking for like a, a prolonged period of time, I've muted my microphone and opened my car door to get some air in here. Taken another item of clothing off. Taken another item of clothing off, and now I'm just doing the podcast in my pants. Um, you know, which is a treat for, for all the listeners. And what would Mr. Blobby think of that? Wow, Mr. Blobby's got nothing to do with it. Mr. Blobby minds his own business. <laughs> Imagine being in a Mr. Blobby suit. That would be hot. But anyway, we, we've we've hit our quota for the Mr. Blobby uh, we mention. The Every weekly episode. Mr. Blobby mention. But, um, yeah, yeah. And anything else from you that is not Mr. Blobby related? Yeah, just, just to say, um, obviously there, there were some production issues during this episode, but um, hopefully they're not going to be too damning for the episode but i'm sure you're used to these episodes being a shambles anyway so well that's right 100 percent. well yes quite well um with that being said we hope you've enjoyed the uh, the shambolic nature of this episode (laughs) and we uh we look forward to seeing you next time for super mario galaxy 2 uh in the meantime take care cheerio cool see you on the next one